Welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. Thanks for connecting with us. To discover more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz. May this message be an encouragement to you. In my experience, I have always found the Bible as a good model of teaching, with life and life-changing instructions from God for His glory and our benefit. And I'm sure each one of you all will agree with this. It helps us to build, us, build on the foundation laid by Jesus Christ, our Lord. As we know, the author possesses the meaning of the text in order to give us the right context. Therefore, let us unpack today's message in the light of God's infallible word. My fellow members of this congregation, today I'd like to take this opportunity to speak to us about a very well-known, yet not commonly, context story or a tale that is a parable of the ten bridesmaids or the ten virgins. Before we begin, let us briefly explore and define the term parable. What is a parable? A parable is an ordinary story with the revelation of the heavenly truth. It is the con- in this context, the, the extra that is God, when it encounters the ordinary, it becomes the e- extraordinary. So, friends, let us, in his name, begin today's sermon. If you've got your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 to 13. The parable of the wise and foolish virgins. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins, who took their lambs and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lambs and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lambs. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lambs. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lambs are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should be no oil. Lest there should be no enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So the context of this parable of ten virgins is Jesus' story to his disciples on the Mount of Olives, a very famous series of sermon that Don preached, which was on the Olivet Discourse, which is, a, which is east of Jerusalem and overlooks the city of the Temple Mount. In this speech, Jesus lays out many of the signs of the end of the age, such as the destruction of the temple, false Christ, wars and rumors of war, famine and earthquakes in various places, persecution of Christians, a falling away from the faith, apostasy, false prophets, increase in wickedness, the gospel preached around the world. Throughout the Christian era, 
This parable has been referred to as the parable of the ten virgins, or some slight modification thereof, but it would be just as true if it were called the parable of the ten professing Christians or the parable of the ten church members. I understand that we, as, as a community, need to be able to uh, understand this parable in the light of God's, God's word. So, so let us further ex explore into it. Well, according to the interpretation by Pastor Kenneth Trent, the ten virgins are the ten bridesmaids, no one of whom is the bride herself. The redeemed and purified church, universal, will one day be the bride of Christ. During this present age, the church is referred to as the body of Christ. Collectively, the ten virgins may typify Christendom at the time of the Christ's return, given the fact that some were ready for the Lord's return and some were not. Ladies and gentlemen, good members of this congregation, I would like to draw to your attention to one of the strongest point Jesus made in this parable, that the day and the hour is unknown to any except God the Father and his Holy Spirit. Even Jesus did not know about this at the time when he was preaching this parable to his disciples because he wasn't glorified. My dear friends, the characters of this parable are the bridegroom who is Christ and the ten virgins who are the bridal party. These, these ten bridesmaids had much in common. They were all virgins which is the sign of purity and being set apart. And they all had same instructions about the bridegroom's arrival, as well as lambs and oil. However, five were wise to carry a jar of oil that helped them through the proverbial night in case of crisis. While the wise went out to buy more oil and the groom had already arrived in the meantime. Thus, it was too late for them to make it back. The Lord used the word virgin to symbolize the virtuous character of all ten. In the Bible, the meaning of number ten is completed course of time or completeness and divine order. In our world today, we use this when referring to any kind of ranking or when describing anything that is near to perfection. Number ten is the symbol of matter in harmony. This number represents the creator and the creation. So let's hold this thought and ponder it together. If moral uprightness all alone defined one as ready or not ready, all ten bridesmaids or ten virgins would have entered into the marriage hall together. However, only those who were prepared and ready were, made, were, were able to make it in. As church members and professing Christians, we are oftentimes dependent on moral character alone to get to heaven. Undoubtedly, character is very important, but is good character alone to guarantee our salvation? My friends, our salvation will take place through perfection of our faith and by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us understand this in the light of three of the most important aspects of this parable. The first, when will Christ return? How must we be prepared for his return? Why is it important for us to be ready? To answer the first quote, I'd like to read from the Gospel of Matthew from chapter 24, verses 36 to 39, 
But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus plainly explains us to be prepared and get ready for his arrival. And we, the church, are his bride. Isn't this wonderful? So how do we ready ourselves for the return of Christ? It is very simple, really. And the answer is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so, my friends, when we, the bride, have made ourselves ready, as it has been said in the book of Revelations, chapter 19, verses 6 to 8, and I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. I was meant to be saying a joke over here, but I've been asked not to by my wife. So, I'll, so you can laugh on that. <laughs> to understand these references and metaphors, better let us travel back in time. I'm sure you would love this because it is about a Jewish wedding. So the Jewish weddings were at a time when, uh, during the Jewish weddings, uh, in a time uh, traveling back years and decades ago, uh, it was more traditional. Love marriages were far from even being considered. In fact, in fact this practice is still followed by Orthodox Jews, Jewish families. I hope there are no Jews or Orthodox Jews in there today. If I get it wrong, please excuse me. First, the parents of the groom would find a suitable match for the son within their close relatives or community. Then the groom, along with his parents, would formally meet with the bride's parents and express the interest of paying a sum of money as a token of love and commitment towards the bride for the wedding, with other traditional rituals that were part of the celebration. Once a verbal agreement was made, the groom and his bride were officially engaged. Then, and this is the surprising part, the bridegroom didn't have any interactions with his bride until the day he came to claim her at a future date, usually between six to 24 months. The bridegroom would then return to his father's house where he would begin work on building a mansion for his bride and the life that they would share together. Once completed, the groom, the groom would make his way back to claim his bride for the wedding celebration which would have the bridal party. This usually took place in the evenings around sunset. And you know, it was pre-Thomas Edison era, so there was no electricity. So they had to use the lamps, candles, lanterns in the evenings. This parable is about a wedding 
On the wedding day, the bridegroom went to the bride's house for the ceremony. Then the bride and groom, along with a great procession, returned to the groom's house, where a feast took place, often lasting a full week. The ten bridesmaids were waiting to join the procession, and they hoped to take part in the marriage feast. But when the groom didn't come at the expected time, five were out of lamp, out of lamp oil. But the time they acquired the extra oil, it was too late to join the feast. Similarly, when Jesus returns to claim his church, bride, we must be ready, church. Spiritual preparation cannot be borrowed or bought at the last minute. Our relationship with God must be our own. So I've got three important points to emphasize this morning, and I hope you guys will be able to take away something from it. Firstly, just like the five, we do not want to set ourselves up for failure. We see in this parable that the ten virgins had so much in common. They all had their lamps trimmed and fire burning. However, the foolish ones didn't take their oil of jars to, get, to keep them burning at the midnight time. Sadly, in spite of having the same instructions, the five foolish decided against taking any. Instead, they decided on borrowing it from the five wise ones. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Job chapter 36 verse 12 says, But if they do not listen, they perish by the sword and die without knowledge. Proverbs chapter 5 verse 23 says, He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. When God's instructions are given to his people, it provides a sense of direction and purpose. When it is neglected, then people will find themselves in all kinds of problems and issues of life, such as in the case of the five foolish virgins. In the parable of the prodigal, in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32, we see how the prodigal son takes off from his father's house and begin, begins to live an unrighteous life by spending his share of inheritance that he demanded from his father. But one fine day, he comes to himself and returns home in repentance to his loving father. And then there's a great celebration. Similarly, in the parable of talents, Matthew chapter 25, verses 4 to 28, we see the diligent workers and the lazy servant. And its consequences towards the end where the lazy servant was thrown out into the dark. In the parable of the wedding feast in Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 to 14, and Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. And they went and, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle, and are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it, and when they ways, when they ways, one one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants, 
treated them spitefully and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers and burnt up the city. Then he said to his servant, the wedding is ready, but, who, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways and as many as you find, invite them to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servant, bind him. Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him out in the darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Again, we see clear instructions, but yet failing to comply with it. Shows the wickedness and carnal heart of a man's nature. We as children of God do not want to set ourselves up for a failure. We rather Learn from these wonderful parables to be ready, waiting for our king by serving and doing God's work for his kingdom and our glory. So the second point this morning for us, church, is let us keep our lamps trimmed and burning. Very so often we come into the house of God with a feeling that God owes us something. We pray and lift God on high for about 15-20 minutes and expect God to move mountains, restore our relationships, give us breakthrough. But during the week, we are so busy that we have no time for God. How can we expect God to answer our prayers and meet us when we call upon his name without spending time in his presence? 15 minutes of praise and worship is not going to kindle our fire and see us through the night time. To go through the night, we need the fire burning on the inside. Night is a period when the testing of our faith takes place. It is a period of time when spiritual warfare is at its peak. Nighttime is a time of challenges, of hardship, of, difficult, of difficulty. We see in Exodus chapter 12, verses 21 to 23, then Moses called for the elders of Israel and said to them, pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families, and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two, and, and the two door posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through, the, through strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the door posts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come in, come into your house to strike you. And you shall observe these things as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised that you shall keep the service. It is through the difficult phase a character is pruned and nurtured when a person has lost his wealth, health, job, family, etc., yet he continues to praise God in spite of the fact he is facing death, shows the kind of fire burning on the inside of him. 
either a person is hot or not, for there is no neutral ground in the house of God. This probably reminds us of Job, who says in Job chapter 1, verses 21 to 22, Naked I have come from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord took away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. This is the sort of fire every Christian should have. Through the highs and the lows, always give thanks to God with a grateful heart. Similarly, we see through the cries of Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 7 to 9. O Lord, you induced me, and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I, and have prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me, for when I spoke, I cried out. I shouted, violence and plunder, because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach, a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart, like a fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. Some of us gathered here today have been going through a period of night, but let me encourage you, saying, the morning is coming. Weeping may endure by the night, but the joy comes in the morning. I'd like to implore you to turn to your neighbor and say, keep your lamps trimmed and burning for our king is coming while I have my drink. Great job, everybody. This is what is community all about. You know, encouraging, lifting one and up, up, up high, and uh, yeah. So the last point this morning, you'll be saying thank you. <laughs> wow, there were two laughs I heard. <laughs> well, the third point is, revelation is for an appointed time. Habakkuk chapter two, verse three says, for the revelation pertains to an appointed time. It speaks truthfully about the end. Though it delays, wait for it, because it will surely come about. It will not be late. Can I invite the musicians to make their way back up to the stage? In the present day Christian world, we have seen so much of literature available to us with time, dates, signs, symbols, etc. Yes, we read through the book of Revelation on the events that will take place, but that doesn't give us the right to predict or forecast events based on our limited understanding. All, the, all that God requires of you and I is to be prepared at all times in all seasons. We cannot be like the five unwise virgins who were asked to be prepared and be ready, but fail to do so. There are more ways of waiting upon the Lord than simply dismissing it or saying, let my neighbor do it. Personally, growing up in the church, I, was felt, I, I always felt comfortable being served. But when asked, to, asked or requested to serve, I had all sorts of excuses 
Does this ring a bell for many who are present here in this room? There are many ways and avenues and areas where we can be available for God. All are called by God, but very few are chosen. Do not shy away from the call that God has given each one of us in this room. Because they are not ready and available when God really needs them, they find themselves in all sorts of issues. And so the Bible says, my people perish because of lack of understanding. So did the five wise, unwise virgins fail. They thought they were smart, ready, available, but when reality struck them, they failed and were far too late for the bridegroom. The unwise virgins did not recognize the lack of oil until it was too late. Neither was the deficiency detected by the five wise virgins during all the time of waiting together with their friends. It is so in our spiritual relationships today. We can know our hearts and we may think we know the hearts of our friends, but that is a judgment that is not of ours to make. We see the apparent evidence of salvation in our friends. However, do not lose the sight of the fact that the five unwise virgins looked every bit the part of the bridesmaids until the ultimate testing time came. A short application to this sermon this morning, we have these instructions from the Bible that Jesus is going to return for us, his bride. Let our response to this be like those five who were wise. How do we prepare? Spend time reading and studying the word of God. Praise and worship, church gatherings and corporate fellowships, Bible studies and connect groups, serving at a home church, outreach groups with a community, by patiently waiting and seeking Jesus with an earnest and diligent heart. These are the few easiest ways in which we can apply the learnings of this parable in our everyday lives. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz.